listening to a special report from the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast, episode 22. Hey there, Georgia Bulldog fans. My name is Scott Duvall. A unique development has come up regarding the Georgia quarterback position for the annual Georgia-Florida game taking place in Jacksonville on Halloween. Reports are surfacing, indicating that Coach Mark Rick has tabbed third-string quarterback Fatone Bauta to see significant playing time for the Dogs, perhaps even starting the game. Is this a Hail Mary for the 5-2 Bulldogs, or simply timely gamesmanship by the coach to give the Gators just one more dimension for them to prepare for as they finish up their own game plan? One of our podcast hosts, Will Leach, is currently on assignment in New York City covering the World Series for Sports on Earth. So please enjoy Tony Waller and me as we discuss this developing situation. All right, so Tony, you reached out to me earlier because we needed to call an emergency podcast episode based on events that have changed in the past 48 hours, I'd say. So I'm going to let you introduce why it's so important that we talk right now. Well, I think it's very important that we talk because I'm not leaving for Jacksonville until tonight now, and that's, I think people need to know that. <laughs> okay, well, good. Good show. Good talk. Um, well, you know, you know, I think the breaking news last night that there's a possibility that Fatone Bauta might start or will play a bunch or might not play the five plays or or, or something else, I guess, is the possibility. I, I just thought it was important that we, we at least talk to a little bit. I got a, a tweet from Junkyard Dog one basically asking if we would be uh, interesting to – it put out something in light of that news. And I think it bears discussing because Bauta's strengths are very different than what Lambert and – and Ramsey bring to the table as far as what our offensive philosophy is. So if we're going to play him a bunch, it, it changes our offensive philosophy, at least in my mind. So what do you think we as Georgia fans should make of this move to Fatone Balta, if that is the case? You know, it's, it's hard. I, I think the important thing to take away from it is that Coach Rick and his staff sat down and thought, if it's going to happen, sit down and constructively thinking through, okay, what gives us the best chance to win in Jacksonville? And maybe even going forward the season, I think the appropriate time to review that is the, during the off week. I will tell you that there have been this rumor has been going around since at least Sunday, uh, but no one really would go on the record about it to the media until I guess last night when a, a couple of sites broke it. And now there's some back and forth about whether he's actually going to start or is he going to play. ESPN's now reporting it. So it is one of two things happen. Georgia is engaging in some awesome certifuge. Um, I'm using Will words now, but uh, they're huge uh, about our starting quarterback because let's be very clear: Ballard does something, it brings something to the table, dynamicity to the table that Lambert just doesn't have. Look, I really hope that we aren't planning on putting Ballard in there and letting him run exactly the same place because one, that's a waste of his skill set, and two, um, that's not what he does well. Lambert, for whatever his faults or strengths are, he is a traditional pro-style quarterback who. Should be able to to you know run progression reads and and find an open receiver and and run the play action and that sort of thing. Ballard can run the play action. We saw that in the spring game, for example. But his play action is more and more misdirection, where they're going to you know basically slide the line all to the left, and he'll have two or three options and the option to read. And I think the most important thing that does for us as an offense is third down. You know, you get third and six or seven that provides a lot of opportunity for picking up yards where we're just not going to do that with Lambert. Lambert's best option is that if there's not open receivers, throw the ball away. Well, that's not going to be in that situation much. Do you think that maybe they're just going to take the game plan that Florida had against us last year? We mentioned in our last podcast that Trayon Harris only completed six or only attempted six passes and completed three of them. 
for, I think, 24 yards, and then they roll up 418 yards of rushing. Do you think maybe, I know we're without Nick Chubb, but you know, stick Marshall back there or Douglas and then have Sony in the, the slot or something like that, do you think maybe that's what Georgia could be trying to go after on the offensive game plan? That's hard. It's kind of hard for me to get my head around us when we throw the ball six times. I mean, that is so utterly against type. I don't know that we've had maybe one game in the past five years where we didn't throw the ball more than 12, 13 times. I'm trying to remember what the game was. Maybe one of the games last year where Gurley just got on a roll and just took off. But, you know, having said that, I don't know. I think I think it's going to be more like what we saw with Josh Thompson in Tennessee, where Bowdoin's going to have some options to throw the ball. It really is a matter of, of who is open and, and whatever. Uh, you know, look at Bowdoin gets 200 yards rushing. Maybe he doesn't throw the ball. I don't know. For those of you who don't know, Bowdoin's, it's not like he's a young guy. He actually graduated the same year that Grayson Lambert did. He's a redshirt junior, but for his career, he has 10 carries for 46 yards and two rushing touchdowns last year and some mop-up duty. I did not see any passing stats to speak of. Does he not have any actual passing stats in a real game? I think that's a good question. I honestly don't know. I was I was about to take a quick look and see, see if I could find some stats on him. Uh, I, I have to assume he got in some game situations over the past couple of years where he was able to throw the ball. How long do you think this decision has been in the works? Do you think it was prompted because the head coaches probably, or the position coaches, ricked and Schottenheimer and maybe even Pruitt realized that, hey, the Missouri game, the defense stepped up and basically won the game, and the offense couldn't do a thing. you think it's been kind of churning and bubbling since the end of that game that they started thinking about that? Well, I, th- I think there's probably a couple things, and this is purely speculation on my part. The first is, is that it seems fairly clear to me that Lambert has struggled in certain situations. That's not to take away anything he, he, he did do, but there's certain situations he struggled in. So you just take a step back. Okay, he, when, you know, we keep hearing reports say, oh, reopen the quarterback competition, okay, and, and Bob has stepped up. And then the second thing is you look at how, you know, what offenses and what types of offenses Florida matches up well with. It's a thing, you know, they kind of do match up well with a pro style power offense. I mean, you take a look, that's, and watch what I think what we'll see if, if Bob plays a great deal. We'll see what Tennessee did against Florida. Dallas had a fairly nice game against them. And the fact of the matter is is that I keep coming back. It seems to me that there is a, a kind of a corollary there for, for them, and, and, and that is Josh Dobbs, particularly with his play against Florida. So how do you think this game is going to be won if Georgia is going to come out with a victory? What do you think is going to happen? Or what do you think the path to victory is? Well, I mean, I think the path to victory is staying in front of the chains, making sure Florida, you know, defense offensively staying in front of the chains. Uh, Florida gets very dangerous when you get when when you get into long yardage situations. Again, you think about what they do; they get into a situation where you can open up the offense. And it, it really what Balba does. If, if we do run the zone read, where basically you have two run options and a pass option, or you you read the linebackers. If the linebackers just have a tough choice to make, okay, you're going to cover you're going to cover a slot back who's running a quick slant in the middle. Are you going to cover a tight end or a, a running back that's dragging out of the backfield, or are you going to stay home and run protect against you know Sony Michelle on the edge or up the middle, or Isaiah McKenzie in this situation, or or the possibility of Balta on a on a bootleg taking off and getting sprinting to the sideline for eight yards. You're making the defense have to play so much more confidently in space, and that's. That's exactly what 
of a quarterback like Bowser Brinks. And I remember at the Missouri game, I sit next to Will at the game, and he kept pointing out to me as we were entering in the fourth quarter and we're still tied at 6-6, six and six, and uh, Marshall Morgan misses that first field goal with about four minutes left. And then we continue to run so much when we get the ball back, even inside the Missouri 25. And Will was just saying to me, and I agreed, and I, probably 50% of the Georgia fans in the stadium, if not more, were thinking this. Will was just saying out loud, Rick does not trust Lambert to win this game. And that's why we're just trying to get it to the middle of the field set up and cross our fingers that Marshall Morgan used his mulligan and is going to hit this one. And thank goodness he did. We saw a lot of that last year or in two years ago where Georgia got really conservative inside the red zone because they knew their defense was going to, or what year was it? Jarvis Jones year. Basically where we were able just to run the ball and we knew we were going to be able to run the ball and the people who really can stop this night, and I call those the manhood Robin drives, those the things that make Mike Bobo so happy as a, as a seven-and-a-half-minute, 15-play drive that eats up seven-and-a-half of the last nine minutes of a, of a game. So I, I think you, you asked me about a passive victory. I think the passive victory for Georgia is, is absolutely offensively staying in front of the chains, not turning the ball over, mm-hmm. and defensively making uh, – Making Harris do more than hand the ball off or run the ball himself. I think, yeah, I think we're going to have to be in a situation where we're going to shut down the running game enough to make him throw the ball. Right. One of the final points I wanted to make. I listened to the Chuck Oliver show yesterday. Do you ever listen to him? God no. <laughs> I know you're not a big fan of his, but I was uh, doing some work around the house and I tuned it in on a uh, 680 uh, late in the evening because it's replayed. But he pointed out, and I think he dovetailed it off of Seth Emerson and even Mark Bradley has picked up this train of thought. So I guess we can too. He pointed out that Mark Richt is obviously a very conservative guy. And it almost seems like the Florida game brings out his daredevil inside because he traced it back. And so did Emerson and Bradley to how in 2007, Noshawn scores that first touchdown. And then he instructed the entire team to celebrate on the field, which Penn wagers held against Georgia for the rest of his career and still does to this day. And then 2009, he broke out the Grambling helmets. Those, really, you know, I'm a big uniform, alternate uniform fan. I did not like the black helmets. It was just a bad look. But that didn't lose the game for Georgia. They were uh, definitely outclassed by Florida that day. And then this year, he goes down a day early. The team got down to Jacksonville yesterday, which normally they go down on Friday. And now there's all these rumors about Balta starting. So. Is this the type of thing where it's just desperation or is he just being really creative in his thinking? And why does it always seem to be the Florida game that brings this out? Well, I, first off, I'm going to dispel anybody that thinks it's desperation in my mind. is just looking for a reason to not be happy about Mark Rick. I say that with all sincerity because if you're going to gripe and complain about Mark Rick, about not him, not he sticks with his guy, blah, 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 and he does this, you call it desperation. I'm sorry. Just be upfront. Go ahead and put a billboard in front of your house. I, I hate Mark Rick, and I want him fired. Just, just do that. Mm-hmm. Now, having said all that, you know, I think it's interesting. I think there are a couple things in play here. One, that we are still in a situation where we can do some of the things we want to do with the season, which is win the East and win the SEC. And then you turn around and, and look at you know, it's almost always the midpoint of the season or thereabout. And, and you know, it comes off a of bye week. I think it's as important to note that coming off a of bye week, you do have extra time to – you have extra time to whether you're incorporating packages or you're going to get people healthy and, and that, that improves things or whatever. 
Not to mention, if you look at how Mark Rick has done against all of our traditional rivals, Florida's the one he hasn't uh, he hasn't quite mm-hmm. ranked yet. So, yeah. so yeah, probably so. Yeah, it's funny because I was trying to think of a quote that might would sum up the situation with the quarterback, and it's probably I can just envision Mark Rick sitting in his office, just pulling his hair out, what little he has left now just pulling his hair out and just getting frustrated on the situation we're in because it's like, and I'll stick with it, it's like what I said earlier this year, the Georgia football team is a four-cylinder Porsche. And actually, it's less than that now that Nick Chubb is out for the season. But it's like we got this great-looking car, we got these great athletes that can do really anything they want and are some of the finest athletes in the country. But yet, we just don't have that signal caller to make it run as efficiently and use all of its power that we should. So, having said all that, Theodore Roosevelt, one of our fine presidents, once said, when you're at the end of your rope, tie a knot and hold on. You think that's appropriate in the situation? I don't know whether it's purely um, college football espionage or it's, uh, or I guess, tradecraft or it's just uh, it really is a change. I'm, I'm fine with it. I, I tweeted last night, I don't care if John Theus plays quarterback as long as we get down there and win. It really doesn't matter to me. And we can run the ball 74 times and win win 6-3, and I'll be fine with that. Because anybody that wants style points at this point, especially with kind of how we struggle offensively, is uh, they're just, again, for whatever reasons we have set, let's beat Florida and move on. Oh, I think we're long past style points in this season. I'm, I'm with you. We could win another 9-6 to six game, and everybody should be happy with that. So we'll see. I mean, it's almost uh, about the time this podcast will go live. It'll be about 24 hours till kickoff. I mean, the one thing I'll say is, about a 6'3", he's not quite as heavy as Lambert. He doesn't have quite the arm strength of Lambert or Ramsey. But he, he's not an unknown quality quarterback. I mean, he was highly recruited. It was an interesting recruit to me. But if he gets a shot, I hope he stuffs up and just owns it. I do too. Absolutely owns it. And I think he is, you know, whether he does or not is, is still up in the air. But you know, I think keep hitting yourself with a hammer, expecting a different result, is, uh, is purely the definition of insanity. So... All right, man. I am ready to get down there. Let's make this thing happen. Go dogs. Yeah, drive safe and enjoy your trip and hope to get a good report on Sunday or Monday when we talk. Thank you for listening to this special report by the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. You can tweet us your thoughts on this situation at WSLS Podcast. If you're traveling to Jacksonville like Tony is, please be safe. Tell everyone at your tailgate to listen to our show, and most importantly, help bring the dogs a much-needed victory over the Gators. And that does it for today. Tune us in on Monday for our post-game wrap-up show, and we'll see you on campus next week for Kentucky. Go dogs! Gators eat boogers.